0: Welcome back to the training camp podcast. The training camp podcast. I got a new chair with a multitude of guests. <laughs> can't say he's wrong. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, oh, dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I really like stupid games. 5 and 0 last week. That's right. 5-0 at Dak Prescott, you could lock up that four seat. Again, it's not blazing hot, 65 no. degrees. I'm gonna do this for fun. threw threw to Michael Thomas. The Heat, how? Chicago, yes. You guys get an F. And a little too much personality. No, no. Last week. And <laughs> no, the Ravens? Oh, f- give me that. <laughs> no way, there's no way. Hammering three. Really, do not. Talk win. about him. <laughs> this was my fault. Flex the game. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to the Training Camp Podcast. It's been a minute. Yeah, I took two weeks off. Uh, the first week was uh, was uh, unplanned, and the second week I was supposed to schedule a podcast, but then a bunch of just wild stuff happened. And then the second week, I was like, you know, I've already had one week off, and I've been doing this every single week for the entire year. Um, I think it was, it's been uh, seven months now straight. So I was like, I'm gonna take a quick break, and it felt nice. And uh, I did I did do some like thinking and reformatting of the podcast as well. Um, so we're, we'll address that right now. Uh, the podcast, at least until the NFL season, is likely just going to be shorter because with the NBA finals about to end and it's about to get really dead uh, athletics-wise, especially for the athletics that you guys like to um, kind of follow, which are just primarily football and basketball. Uh, it's it's going to get really dead. Besides like NBA free agency and NFL possible trades before like the preseason starts. So, if I had to guess, up until the NFL season starts, the podcasts are probably going to go from about 35-40 minutes to probably like 20-25 minutes, Um, also because the shorter podcasts that I do upload do get engaged with a little bit more, like they get uh, longer duration views on average, so there is that, Um, so yeah, today's podcast is probably going to be a shorter one, and also just, you know, I've just been exhausted lately, I've had a really busy summer um so yeah also yeah sorry i'm wearing a hat i look like a total fucking (laughs) douchebag but uh, i literally came straight from the gym so (laughs) sorry if i look red gross i always look gross and i look like a douchebag apologies all right after all that nonsense let's hop into news of the week um there wasn't much and then this morning happened and i was like oh we got some pretty big stuff um so first and foremost, this happened over the weekend, but the uh, Team USA is one and two in exhibition games for the Olympics, which is wild. Um, the Nigeria team was a pretty big surprise, mainly because like there's not any big name players on the Nigeria team. And the Australia team kind of made a little more sense because there are more NBA players in the NBA um, that are from Australia. And so that one didn't surprise me as much. And then Argentina, did it didn't surprise me we ended up beating them because they don't have as many as they used to, obviously like Manu Ginobili. Um, but I mean, one and two, 0 oh, and two was kind of whack. But when you think about how the, you know, the the team has been put together, essentially it's just shooters. <laughs> like Damian Lillard is a shooter first. He's not m- much of a, a ball distributor. And then you know, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, like none of those guys are really, <laughs> are really ball distributors. So um, I think that's just one of the biggest reasons is every- there's only one ball and everyone's gonna wanna have a piece of it so i think they'll get it figured out though because i mean at the end of the day i will say like the nba is going global um the mvp he's serbian the defensive player of the year is french uh the best player in the finals right now is greek um you know the best up-and-coming player right now is is what latvian i think that's what uh Luka is so I mean, the NBA is becoming Universal League, man, and uh, with that, I mean, the NBA pays a lot of money, and there are a lot of players in a lot of countries who, um, you know, they come from countries that don't have a lot of money, and very, basketball is one of those rare sports where, like, you don't need other people to get better, all you need is something to put a ball into, and a ball, Um, you've seen, I've seen pictures in, like, National Geographic and other magazines of, you know, um kids making their own basketballs that work making their own hoops i mean back in new mexico we didn't have a hoop uh near where i lived so what did we use a milk uh a milk crate so yeah i mean you can literally use anything um so i mean the the, the league is becoming more universal it's uh, there's people hungrier for it and i think it's awesome because it just means that the town of the nba is getting even better Um, So, I mean, do I think the USA team will probably still win the Olympics? I do. I think they'll end up getting everything together. Also, you know, the exhibition games are being played in Vegas. Um, Vegas is not previously and historically known as, like, a non-party town. It's the complete opposite. So once they actually go to Tokyo, and especially since it's an isolated Olympic event, there are no fans... They're gonna be locked in with each other, so they're gonna get tight, and uh, I think they'll get everything figured out, and they'll probably end up winning overall. Um, next, I don't—I have not talked about this man at all, and that's mainly because you guys don't care about baseball. I do. I'm a Pirate fan, so I shouldn't—I <laughs> should have given up years ago. Uh, don't want to talk about our—I don't want to talk about our draft. But Shohei Otani, If you don't know who he is, if you don't care about baseball, eh, that's fine. But Google this man because even if you don't know about baseball I know you know about Babe Ruth like everyone knows Babe Ruth this man and Babe Ruth is historically known as like the greatest MLB player of all time Shohei Otani is doing what Babe Ruth did better and at the same time because Babe Ruth was a pitcher and then a hitter he was never both Shohei is literally both it's JP this is crazy <laughs> Jimmy, this is actually wild. <laughs> you are actually keeping the streak alive. This is crazy. Hold on. Um, I'm, oh, God. <laughs> you just sent me a really funny inside joke. Hold on. Use This man better answer. If you have time, text me. Hey. Hello? Yeah. Where's the camera? Oh, there it is. Say hi to the podcast. Podcast. Yeah, that's what I thought. That was funny as picture, though. Wait, are you filming the. Po- oh, are you in the middle of the podcast? Literally in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> <That's wild. laughs> any, any sports takes you got? Um, um, um. Who you got in game three tonight? Uh, give me box. I think they're Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, Giannis over under 35 points. Yeah, but he's gotten 42 and 41 the last two. I, I know. Um, uh, Go under. But I think Middleton and uh, Drew won't be the worst players on the planet, so. Facts. All right, thanks for popping into the podcast. Later. I'm just going to do that every time he text me during the podcast at this point. Just know that he sent me a really funny ass fucking picture. Anyways, what was us talking about? Oh, yeah, Shohei Otani. He's literally, like... He's probably gonna break the home run record this season. If he doesn't, then no, he's not if it's not that he's not like it's not that he might break it. Either he's going to break it, like barely, or he's gonna fucking shatter it. This dude is the future of the MLB, and honestly, I think he might save the MLB overall. I mean, there's the whole issue with pitching substances or whatnot. But Shohei Otani might be the one guy who saves MLB, and not just... I think one of the things that's awesome about Shohei, too, is he's not an American player, which opens... I mean, the MLB is... Uh, like, baseball in general is actually a pretty well-worldwide-known sport, but since it doesn't have, like, a media following, people don't really know that. But, I mean, it's a pretty big sport. If you look especially at Korea, uh, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, um, like, they have really big leagues down there, and so Shohei doing this is awesome for the sport. I really hope it grows baseball, because I think baseball's one of the funnest sports to follow, but a lot of people it just too much, or it's just too boring for them, um, and there's a bunch of issues anyway. Anyway, uh, Shohei Otani's a fuck, f- he's unreal. Um, next, this happened this morning, so when I was talking about, like, news came up today, this is what I was talking about, uh, Sherman, Richard Sherman, I'm just gonna read what this says, Richard Sherman in custody after in incident at in-law's home and car accident. So, uh, it sounds like Richard Sherman will be facing, like, multiple charges, um, including one for burglary? Um... At his in-laws' house, uh, I think this is his wife's parents' house. So, I, I, I mean, does that mean he's probably not going to play in the NFL this season? I, I don't know. I, don't, it's very odd too because this is very unlike Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's like one of the most respectable and like, I mean, yeah, he had that whole stupid interview after the Crabtree breakup in the 49ers-Seahawks NFC Championship, but like, super smart dude. He's flown under the radar especially like the last five years for just like ego reasons like he doesn't really have a huge ego anymore um it was literally just that one interview uh he's a good guy he's one of the best corners the last decade so this really came to me as a surprise um i'm just really curious of like what's going to happen from this because i mean he's already been a free agent for so long already like does this just completely you know x him out from teams that wanted him um i know that teams that were interested were uh, the Jets, because Salah's there. The Niners were interested in bringing him back. The Seahawks were interested in bringing him back. And I heard the Steelers were also interested in bringing him to mentor the younger players. So, like, I'm just curious which of those. The only team I could see probably bringing him back or just re, or signing him in general. Really? During the podcast, bro? So loud. Um, is the Niners, because they know him and, like, more familiar with the recent versions of him. So, that's just crazy. Uh, I never would have expected that. Uh, lastly... Kawhi went uh, ACL surgery to repair a partially torn ACL. Yeah, yeah, I kind of figured when I saw him land and it was like a basically a no contact injury, I was like, yeah, this is definitely ACL. Good thing it wasn't torn. Um, but you could tell that the Clippers were trying to hide the fact that it was partially torn. They was like, ah, he, because I think the the mentality was like, he'll be back for the finals if they make it. And it's like, will he? So, uh prayers up to Kawhi. i think a lot of people were curious if he was going to leave the clippers um just because you know their failure to reach the nba finals again for a second year in a row is what this really well constructed team and uh, i think because of the injury he will not leave i think he'll give it one more run uh, i think if they, he hadn't gotten injured and they still didn't make the finals he probably would have left but it's really interesting like what teams he'd be interested in um because i mean he's from la i believe so he's back home um I, I, there's also, I mean, I was gonna say there's only a couple fits, but I mean, honestly, any team could benefit from having Kawhi. It's just you don't have Kawhi for 82 games; you only have him for 50 to 60 because of load management. But prayers up to Kawhi. Okay, we we're gonna talk about Bucks and Suns, but that's gonna be later. I'm gonna talk about Big Ben because I'm upset. Now, f- full transparency for all the new people on the on the channel: I am a Sewers fan. Uh, family from Pittsburgh. Family. Uh, ties to the franchise, my uh, grandfather worked for him, and I, and uh, so, Big Ben, reports have come out that he's lost a lot of weight, and he's working out like daily, and his diet is quote unquote stricter than Brady's, and like, when I first saw this, I was like, that's awesome, because, you know, the meme about Ben has been like, oh, he does a one yoga session and then eats one less burger a summer, and that's considered his diet. Oh, God, voice crack. Um, and that's what Jay Glazer reported. I don't believe jack shit from Jay Glazer when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers stuff because every time Jay Glazer talks about the Steelers, it's always fucking wrong. So that's one thing. Um, secondly, after I had seen this come out, I was like, Cool. People are finally going to give Ben his praise because, you know, everyone's always been like, oh, Ben doesn't work out. Um, he needs to take care of, better care of his shape. He's just not responsible, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, now that he's doing it, people are going to say, cool, Ben's finally taking care of himself. Maybe the Steelers will be better than we all think. But no, the widespread reaction to this has been, well, it's about damn time. Hello, can we make you guys happy? Like, seriously, like, can we make you guys happy? Because also, last year, Ben did get in better shape. You saw when he came into OTAs, he was thinner. And honestly, I will take this to my grave. If Randy Finkner was not our offensive coordinator last year, Ben would have come back and thrown for 4,500 plus yards and probably 35 to uh, 35 to 38 touchdowns. He had 33, and he was throwing 10-yard dink and dunks. That's not because Ben can't throw. That's because that's the way the offense was constructed. Anyways. Ben came into the season last year like 25 pounds less, and the funny thing was he didn't run as much. I think it's probably because he was worried about re-injuring his elbow. This season, with another another year of uh, post-surgery time and he, and uh, recovery time for his elbow, and with more weight loss, which is likely not just. Weight loss. It's probably muscle building as well because he has NFL trainers around him all the time and they know Ben's play style. They know he's big. They know that he has somewhat mobility to him. If you didn't know, he runs a faster 40 than Josh Allen. Yes, that's true. Um, And he also uh, is one of the most important things about him is his arm strength. So when they say losing weight, that doesn't just mean he's losing like muscle. He's probably losing a lot of fat, but also building muscle. If he has lost 25 pounds, Honestly, when an NFL player loses 25 pounds, that's usually like a month's worth. If Ben's done that in the last three months, it's probably lost 25 pounds but also gained like 10 or 15 pounds of muscle. if I had to guess. I'm just really upset that there's this double standard, especially when it comes to Ben, where it's like, he doesn't work out. He should be taking care of his body. And he finally does the past two seasons. Well, it's about time. He's only 37. Don't you think it's kind of like amazing and kind of like you want to look up to the fact that He's 36 and 37. Now he's changing his body. Like he could have, Ben could have easily been like, you know what? I've been doing the same thing every single year. I've thrown for 5,000 yards. I've been the passing leader for the NFL. I've won. I've been to three Super Bowls. I've won two. I don't need to change my regimen. But the fact that he is trying to keep up with the times. I mean, people will, will, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say C-R-U-C-F-C-I-F-Y. But people will slander other quarterbacks because they refuse to get with the times. And Ben is doing that. And you guys are going, well, it's about time. Why don't you just go, yeah, cool, that's awesome. I'm glad Ben is getting with the times. It should not be a situation of, well, it's about time. It should be a situation of, cool, I'm glad that he recognized it. This is like the issue of people who change their opinions on things. You can't just change your opinion because people will be like, oh, but you used to have this opinion. Yeah, people change. Ben's habits are changing. Like, it would not surprise me. I don't think the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't even think the Steelers are going to win the division. I'd be surprised honestly if they went if they go to the playoffs. Not because they're going to be bad, but because we have two of the best teams in the AFC arguably in our division. I mean, our division if the Bengals and Joe Burrow are exactly what people are expecting Joe Burrow to be back, be like in year 2, then the AFC North is easily the second best division in the football besides the AFC West. I mean, AFC West literally has a four way, anyone could win that at, at any time. And the AFC North, three teams at any time could win it. And if the Bengals were a surprise team, it could be four. So I don't think the Sewers are going to be amazing. But I do think, I mean, a lot of the reports are saying, like, they would not be surprised if Ben threw for 4,500 plus yards this year. I mean, 33, 33 and 10 was his touchdown reception ratio last year. And he only had like 3,300 yards. Yeah, because he was throwing with an offensive coordinator who didn't get with the times. Now they have one of the youngest and one of the best collegiate offensive coordinators and head coaches to come into the NFL in Matt Canada. He's going to design it so that they can use Ben's strengths. That's what Matt Canada has said. They are going to be using the deep ball, but they're also going to utilize their new players. Now, I do think a horrible offensive line—no offense, guys— is going to hinder that a bit, but you have one of the best running back prospects in the past five years. You have a great wide receiver core and a great young wide receiver core, Tay, Juju and Claypool. I know you guys, you guys will clown them because Corvette, Corvette, but at the end of the day, Juju is one of the best young players in the, in football right now. You can't at me. Look at the stats. I mean, even in the season where Ben didn't play, Juju still put up some pretty good numbers. Deontay Johnson is easily one of the best young and and upcoming players right now. And, Chase Claypool had 10 touchdowns last year as a rookie. If not for Justin Jefferson, probably would have gotten a lot more um, just like media shine. I mean, the dude put up, JP and Parker are to mad me for saying this, but he did put up four touchdowns in one game. That's pretty damn impressive to do. So it's a good team. It's a developing team. And I just, I, I don't get why, going back to Ben, I just don't get why people just can't give him his flowers or his roses because I think he's earned them. Okay. Damn. I like see red when I'm talking about the Steelers. (laughs) Um, All right. So for the last thing we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk Bucks versus Suns game three. Do I want to cut or do I just want to do this now? I just kind of want to keep going. You know what? I'll just keep going. All right. Bucks suns game three is tonight. Those of you that are new, I, I record these on Wednesday. They go up on Thursday. So by the time you're seeing this, the game's already happened. So if my predictions are very wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, the yeah, the Suns started off 2-0. I haven't been able to talk about the series at all because uh, the podcast has been off for two weeks. Um, this is, the Suns went up 2-0, and then the Bucks did take one game, the first game in Milwaukee. Um, it, Giannis is, I think, averaging like 36 right now basically just because of the whole 42 and 41 point games in the past two games um and you know a lot of people i've been seeing a lot of polls like who's going to take game four and i i picked the suns i'll talk about that in a second i picked the suns and but like i was expecting to be like 75 to 70 percent say suns and then 30 25 to 30 percent say bucks but no it was like 49 51 and a lot of them were going in the bucks favor so what the what's going on um I'm just going to let you pass. Thank you. Um, So, I didn't actually expect that. And so, I've been watching a lot of videos about people who are not rooting for the Bucs, but think the Bucs can pull this off. And I think there are some really, really good points to bring up. Now, I will say this. Win or lose, Giannis might deserve Finals MVP no matter what. Because, like, it's kind of the situation that LeBron was in uh, during the 3-1 comeback where, like, if... Even if the Cavs lost that series, LeBron probably should have been the Finals MVP because they like Giannis is just unreal. Like I, I, there are still people doing it, and it's just because they're cloud chasers and and they they're trolls and they're clowning him on social media. But this dude is putting up forty two and forty one in the NBA Finals essentially by himself without a jump shot. Now here's like Chris Middleton or Chris Middleton, Giannis is doing essentially what everyone expected Ben Simmons to do, like, as Ben Simmons progressed to the NBA. But the one difference between those two, not only is Giannis actually putting up points, Giannis is still taking jump shots. He's not scared of it. Like, he has the confidence to put up a couple threes a game. He probably knows he's not going to make them, but he's still doing it. And, I mean, last game, he thought he shot 13 for 17 from the free throw line. That's hack a Giannis right there, and he's making them pay for it. So, like, you're putting up 42 without a jump shot that you have to show some respect to that. Well, he's not evolving for the game. He's still trying. He still is. I will say, like, you'd think he'd work on his three-pointer and his and his mid-range a little bit more in the offseason. But the fact that he's still doing this is, is hella respectable. And, you know, I think CP and Devin Booker definitely have a good have a good chance to win fouls MP, especially if the Suns win the series. But I mean, D-Book had a really horrible game three. And uh, CP CP just makes a team better, and I think that's definitely warranted for a Finals MVP. But I just Giannis is this has been Giannis's series in and out the entire time. Um, I think another really thing that's important we're just gonna stick with the Bucks for this first part. I think if the Bucks do want to win Game Three and possibly just the series in general, the biggest key for them is not only just like JP said, uh, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday making their shots. Because I saw a stat where like when Chris Middleton shoots uh, 40% from three in the playoffs, the Bucks are undefeated, or something like that, and it's like, yeah, that probably makes sense, but not only, like, do those two need to really get their, their shot, hit their shots, but I think Bobby Portis is one of the most important players in this series, he's, like, because he, I think him coming off the bench is good, because it gives him a little spark off the bench, but also just defensively and offensively, he's very underrated, I mean, he was one of the, he was supposed to be one of the best young players a couple of years, or whenever he got drafted, and he didn't really meet expectations in Chicago and he ever since, you know, before he got to Milwaukee, he's 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 been disappointing for the most part. But in Milwaukee, especially in the playoffs, like when I was talking to Kylie about the Bucks early into the playoffs, I was like, I think one of the most important things for them, especially like if they have to play the Sixers or the Nets, is gonna be Brooke Lopez because he has sides and he can shoot. Brooke Lopez has been pretty damn disappointing. Bobby Portis, on the other hand, who I did not expect to be this good, has been the complete opposite. He's been what I thought Brook Lopez should have been, which is a defensive... uh, I mean, Brook Lopez has been a defensive liability, but like a defensive anchor for the Bucs, especially for the second unit, and also an offensive spark, not only for himself but for his teammates. And I think especially for end-of-game scenarios, they can just bring him in along with Giannis to get get a good defensive stop. I mean, him, Drew... And Giannis alone is a really good trifecta when it comes to defensive play. And I mean, Chris Middleton's not the worst defender, but those three essentially are going to really, really help your team. So I think I think Bobby Portis is one of the most important factors for this series. And it's also just how Mike Budenholzer. I mean, actually, for being real, Mike Budenholzer is probably the most important. But um, the, <laughs> if the Bucks win this series, do they think they still fire Mike Budenholzer? Because like, there were so many series in the uh, playoffs where the Bucks probably should have like taking two extra games in those series because, but like Mike Boonehozer didn't make the right adjustments. Like that would be the first time you ever see a team win a finals. And then Mike Boonehozer gets canned. I think if they lose that Mike Boonehozer will be fired. But it kind of sucks because it's like who are they going to bring in because the coach, coaching like cycle has already kind of happened and all the good coaching candidates have been hired. But, I mean, it all depends on how Boone plays Bobby Portis. I think it is smart to have him come off the bench and not start because then you can have a spark plug. Because um, I think for the most part, the Suns, the Suns have some okay depth. I mean, like Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne. Um, but, I mean, like especially since Sarch's injury, like Frank Kaminsky has been a liability. Um, they don't really have a, a good big to come off of the bench. Um, and besides – Literally, it's just Cam Johnson and campaign. So I think it's really, really smart to have Bobby Portis. Also, Jeff Teague's getting a lot of minutes. Kind of whack. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about Jeff Teague because I feel like he's a pretty okay. Like he's got great basketball IQ. He's a good distributor. But like when I watch him play, I'm like, why are you on the court? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, you probably should help the team because you're a veteran. I don't know how to feel about, about Jeff Teague. But um, switching like to the Suns, I think. The Sun, I still, I still do think the Suns will probably win this series. If I had to guess, probably in six. Um, it would. I like. I said. I do think the Suns will win tonight, just because they're gonna bounce back. They've made some really good adjustments. They're gonna figure out the Bucks, especially because. Yeah, um, Tony. Uh, Budenholzer does not like to make adjustments. I think the Suns are gonna capitalize off of that. So. It would not surprise me if the, if the Suns won this series in six. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they won in five, just because I, I honestly originally thought they would win in five. But I think it'll go to six at the end of the day. Um, but the biggest thing for the Suns is as long as DeAndre Ayton is not in foul trouble, they'll be fine. I mean, that was, I think, one of the biggest things about last game was the fact that they had to play Frank Kaminsky so many minutes because Ayton got into foul trouble. I think that was pretty smart by the Bucks, Like, they were obviously going at uh, DeAndre Ayton, not because he's not a good defender, but because they wanted to get him in foul trouble. Um, and that's one of the reasons the Bucks were able to dominate was because Giannis was essentially getting matched up with Frank Kaminsky and just destroying him so as long as they keep Aiden out of foul trouble like if he enters the fourth quarter with three they'll be fine but i mean when you're entering the qu- the fourth quarter with five fouls you're gonna be put in a really really odd scenario another fact that's really important is devin booker last game he had 10 points off of what three for like 19 shooting or something like that you're not gonna get that from devin booker that often honestly i mean that's a very rare game from devin booker Devin booker was also playing kind of on devin booker like he was he was taking a lot of shots where i was like you, you're that confident <laughs> um but I think he's going to get his his bearings back in the second game. I think Chris Paul is going to start to open the floor up a little bit more. But, I mean, like I was saying, Bobby Portis is like the most important factor for the Bucks. I think DeAndre Ayton is the most important factor for the Suns just because, I mean, when he's in foul trouble, then you don't have a good bench depth. I mean, Darius Sarch is a okay secondary player to come in, but Frank speed's honestly been like the Brooke Lopez for the Suns, just an offensive and defensive liability. Um I'm trying to think. Yeah, and the last thing I wrote here is just that you probably won't get another D-Book game like his Game 3. I mean, you won't. Why? Like, that's very unlike D-Book. If you look at the entire playoffs, he is not disappointed that often. And so it's going to happen every once in a while. It sucks that it had to come in the NBA Finals, but he's probably, I mean, D-Book's a grinder. He's going to get back in the facilities. He's going to work his shot. He's going to get everything figured out. Um, so that's one of the reasons I think that the Suns will take Game f- 4 tonight and go up 3-1 um it sucks though because i will say i'm rooting for both these teams because you got cp has been in the league for forever and has never not only not been to a finals but hasn't won them so i'm rooting for that uh one of the best young players in d book i've always loved deandre and obviously everyone's like oh you took him instead of luca or trey young at the time deandre Ayton was like the bona fide number one pick easily and then he got hurt and then he had the uh off the off the court issues uh last season and so i'm glad i'm really happy to see him flourishing now i mean We're looking at probably in three years the best center in the league um, or just like in that echelon of the most elite centers in the league because he can do literally everything, shoot, defend. He's athletic. He's huge. Um, And so, you know, I'm ready for that. But at the same time, like Giannis just gets so much shit for absolutely no reason. Um, I I like Drew Holiday a lot. (laughs) I feel bad for Chris Middleton because he's like one of the most bipolar players ever. Um, I also kind of i also kind of want the Bucks to lose so they fire Mike Budenholzer so they can get what's best for Giannis. But at the end of the day, I don't—I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I can't wait for the Bucks to win by a hundred. And when this goes up, I look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks for coming to the podcast today. We're like 27 minutes long, so that's not too bad. Um, yeah, I—it's uh, good to be back. It's good to be back. It's definitely a little draining occasionally, just because. It's a lot, but uh, I do like doing the podcast. It gives me some time to just like ah, just sit down and just ramble about sports. I'm gonna start trying to get guests on. It's the summer, so everyone's kind of doing their own thing, whether it's working or vacations. Um, so you know, obviously, it's been kind of hard to get guests on lately. But especially when the season comes nearer, we will be getting more guests on. Also, the channel has been doing really well lately. So especially when Madden 22 comes out. Um, I might be doing 2K22. I don't know. I got to get a PS5 first because holy crap, is it impossible to get one? Literally impossible. I work graves, okay? So I'm awake from 9 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. I'm awake when, like, you'd think a 2.30 a.m., 3 a.m. drop would happen, and I just can't cop one. It's wild. Amazon did screw me when they they initially dropped the uh, pre-orders for the PS5. I landed the digital edition, and then uh, as they were putting out for delivery, it said, Oops, your package has been misplaced. We will refund you. I just think they didn't have enough, and they just acted like they lost my package. I doubt it. I think they just didn't have enough. So if anyone's got a good idea how I can get a PS5 digital edition, because it's 100 bucks cheaper and I don't use discs, let me know. Thank you guys for coming to the podcast, and I will see you guys next week.